Hello and welcome to Bite Size Strategy, the podcast that provides you with less fluff and more stuff that you can actually use to grow your brand online. In every episode, we cut the banter, we get down to business, and we talk actionable tips and tricks for online marketing, copywriting, optimizing your website, and more. I'm your host, Ashley Kay, a web designer, digital strategist, and all-around nerd. If you would like to connect with me in between episodes, you can give me a follow on Instagram at buildintandblossom or check out buildintandblossom.com for more. Hey everyone, how are we doing? I hope we're doing well. Um, So I want to preface this episode by addressing the elephant in the room. The intro promises no banter. I'm changing the format of the show so that the, each episode is going to include five minutes of banter. It's going to include five minutes of me updating you on my life because I like doing that. I like having you guys to talk to. If you don't like the five-minute uh, life update that I'm providing you with, you can simply skip ahead. You won't hurt my feelings, but that's how it's going to be. I might change the intro to reflect this. Um, but yeah, I want to update you on my life and then we'll get into like the business stuff and the website optimization and the marketing tips and tricks and all that. So here we go. (laughs) You may have noticed at the end or near the end of the last episode, we got nicely interrupted by my neighbor opening her garage. Um, I knew it was going to happen. It was inevitable because she's constantly coming and going. It was only a matter of time. I've been waiting for this to happen since episode one. And yeah, I found out that it is loud and the, the mic definitely picks up on it. So if she does it, I will just pause and restart, which is really fun for me, but whatever. Um, but yeah, you may have remembered me mentioning that I record above her garage, which is in my bedroom. So when she opens her garage, it wakes me up. And she does this because she does open her garage at every hour of the day. For a couple of months, when I first moved in here, she was opening and closing her garage door at like three, maybe between three and four in the morning. And I'm like, oh my God, like I'm going to have to move when the lease is up. This is insane. I don't know what the heck she was doing. Um, Anyway, she stopped, thank God, and now she opens the garage primarily between 7 and 8 in the morning, which is still annoying, but not as annoying as between 3 and 4. Anyway, so living in LA, you know, it's not as glamorous as you may think it is. It's very loud, and there is always something going on. There is always something that I'm getting woken up by. So... It could be the neighbor's garage. Um, If it's a Wednesday, you can bet your bottom dollar that I'm going to be woken up by the trash trucks because Wednesday is garbage day here and the trucks in LA County, the the garbage trucks, I should say, are so freaking loud. I don't know what they did. They're like (laughs) souping up their engines and... (laughs) They come through the alley and then they come down twice. So, you know, they come down once, get all the trash cans on the right-hand side, and then they come back and get all the trash cans on the left-hand side. And then there are three separate trucks. So there's one for normal garbage, there's one for recycling, and then there's like a green bin, which is for tree branches or something like that. Um, So that's a minimum of six trips by these garbage trucks down the alley. Sometimes, I don't know, maybe they get their wires crossed because I swear to God, they come down like 12 times 
And of course, like it wakes me up every time. They're really loud. Um, sometimes they set car alarms off and it's just miserable. So you can count on me being woken up by trash trucks on Wednesday morning. And then Thursday, one of my neighbor's gardeners comes and the neighbor's gardener is very loud. Um, they have like a leaf, uh, a leaf blower that is gas powered, which I believe is actually banned in LA County, but they don't seem to care. Um, and that's kind of beside the point because even if they didn't have that, they would still be loud. So that wakes me up on Thursday. Um, on Friday, another neighbor's gardener comes and wakes me up on that day. And if they come a little bit later in the day, well, then maybe they, you know, somehow disrupt my work day. I sound so, I I hate complaining about this. I'm not really complaining about it. I'm just trying to give you an accurate (laughs) picture of what living here is like, okay? It's always something. There's always some kind of noise going on. So Friday night, I was talking to my partner and I'm like, okay, like tomorrow's Saturday. Do you think we're going to get woken up Saturday morning. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes, you know, the everything's working in our favor and there's no noise that wakes us up. Um, so he's like, yeah, you know what? I think we're going to get woken up. I think it's going to be the neighbor opening her garage at seven. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm like, that's kind of unoriginal, but you know, I guess we'll wait and see. I couldn't come up with anything better. So, <laughs> so we went to bed. Uh, I was sleeping deep, man. I was sleeping real good. And then 7.05, I get jarred awake by footsteps. Heavy, like scampering about footsteps. And I was really confused because, you know, when you get like woken up um, from a deep sleep, you're kind of confused and just like, oh my God, like what's going on? And I heard these footsteps and I'm like, oh my God, like is this coming from inside? Like, is someone in the house? And I got up and I investigated, and it turns out that the footsteps were coming from the roof. All right, that's a little weird, right? (laughs) Well, I investigated a little bit further, and it turns out that these heavy footsteps that were scampering about belonged to a raccoon and a squirrel. And I don't know, they must have been getting into it, man, (laughs) because they were scampering all about, all over the building. I don't know. Like I said, it's always something. And I'm kind of like, wow, like, what did I do in a past life to, (laughs) to deserve this? Again, it's not like a big deal. It's more amusing than anything, but it's just uh, the reality of living here, I guess. So anyway... That is enough about my life. Hopefully we won't get interrupted by anything this time, Um, but we'll see, right? (laughs) Wait and see. So today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects, website building platforms. Quite a departure from a raccoon and a squirrel on the roof, I know, (laughs) a little bit more boring, but hey, we got to do it. We got to talk about this because if you're looking to start a website, you're going to need to pick one of these, but there are countless options out there. And because of this, it can get really, really overwhelming really, really fast. They're also like really evolving rapidly, like at faster paces than ever before. So it's even harder than it was say like three years ago to make a decision. Or maybe that's just me, right? Um, It's easy to get to that point of analysis paralysis where you feel like you just aren't able to make a decision. So today, what I want to do is kind of hit you with some facts 
and help you cut through some of the indecision and get you on the right track to picking a platform with confidence for your website. Before we really start discussing like individual platforms though, um, what I want to do is give you a little bit of an understanding of the difference between open source and closed source softwares, because this is an important distinction and some people have very strong preferences either way. So open source, and this can apply to basically any software, and of course it does also apply to website building platforms. Open source means that the source code for the software is readily available, usually for free, on the internet for anyone and everyone to access. And because the code is open to the public, this usually means that a lot of people are working on its improvement at any given time. And if it's a really popular open sourced, uh, open source software, I should say, um, then you'll find that there are a lot of skilled people usually that are working on it, which of course is a really good thing. So usually open source software is constantly being updated. Any vulnerabilities that could lead to security issues are generally noticed and resolved pretty quickly. With closed source software, the only people that have access to the source code are the team of developers employed by the closed source software company. And they also are like the only ones that can update and modify the code. Although the actual number of course is going to be dependent on like the company, the number of people who are working on the code, like the development team are finite in closed source software solutions. So generally speaking, closed source software, doesn't get updated as much as open source software does. That being said, because they are like the only people that have their eyes on the code that can make it maybe a little bit more secure than like open source software. So what's better, closed source or open source? Well, that is certainly up for debate. Open source is really great for flexibility as well as scalability because the sky is the limit with open source. You have full control over every aspect of it, but with closed source solutions, you are more limited. Everything has to fit within the parameters that have been set for you. So closed source are very much like walled garden situations where open source, you can do whatever you want, provided you have the skills, which, you know, a lot of us don't, and maybe um, you have to hire a professional, which is fine, but you may need to do that. So that can be costly and take time. Um, anyway, when it comes to support, because that is an important um, thing that a lot of us consider, closed source solutions are nice for support because they have a dedicated support team available that can help you if you have an issue with their software. Of course, like the quality of the support team, you know, how uh, quickly they're able to respond to you and solve your problem, that is going to be very dependent on the company itself. But most of these um, closed source solutions do have some kind of support that is usually pretty responsive. On the other hand, with open source, you are more responsible for finding your own answers to your questions. So that could be via a forum, online tutorial, you know, hiring a professional who specifically works with the open source software. That's kind of what you're looking at if you have an issue with an open source software. 
Um, and then also I want to mention there's a little bit of ownership stuff there too. So with open source, usually like when we're talking about open source website building platforms, and we're only going to be talking about one of those today. Um, but when you use one of those, you own your own content. Okay. But if you're using a closed source software, then they kind of have a little bit more control. Um, it really it kind of depends on the the terms and conditions and the legal stuff, which you might want to look through. But with some maybe all, I'm not sure, closed source solutions, there may be this stipulation that says like, oh, technically, like we own your content, not you. And some people are really turned off by that. I don't honestly know enough to speak on that very intelligently, but I do want to mention it. So if that's kind of like a red flag for you or something that's super important, you know enough to research it on your own. But that's enough of that heavy-hitting nerd talk for right now. Um, that was a very brief overview of the difference between open source and closed source. So do feel free to research the issue further if it interests you or you find you need a little bit more information. Um, here, we're going to be moving on to talking about some specific platforms, okay? So first, I want to address Squarespace. In Squarespace, you're probably familiar with the name because it seems like it's everywhere these days. And I absolutely understand the appeal. Squarespace is a closed source website building platform and you pay a monthly or annual fee to have your website with them. The cost at the time of recording this starts at $12 per month for the most basic plan and Squarespace is aimed at those in general who are like less comfortable with tech. It is very much that walled garden where your options are pretty limited and everything is pretty tightly locked down. And this is nice at times because it's pretty near impossible for you to like break your website or do something, you know, that causes it to crash. Um, but because of this, your customization options are also limited. You know, you are essentially bounded within the templates that Squarespace offers from a design perspective. Um, you can add your own branding like fonts, colors, other styles to make your website look like your own. But I do kind of think that there is a tendency for all Squarespace websites to look somewhat similar to one another. Um, this isn't true in all cases. And of course, you can hire a developer or designer like moi to make it look even more unique to you. Um, but even still, we can't go outside the parameters that Squarespace has set for us. So, you know, they all the Squarespace sites do kind of start to look similar, especially when you're a designer like me, you pick up on those things. Maybe you wouldn't notice it, but I do. In terms of functionality and integrations, Squarespace does have quite a few of these that work pretty slick. Um, although most of these require upgraded, more costly Squarespace plans, of course, <laughs> you can sell your products through your Squarespace site. You can do subscriptions. If you're a restaurant, I believe they have an advanced integration to take reservations or orders online. I actually haven't used that, but that seems cool. You know, no clients have came to me with a need for that yet, though. Um, and most of these functions work pretty seamlessly because they're all in this controlled environment that Squarespace offers, which is really nice because you don't have to like troubleshoot why something isn't working. 
On the downside with this, it can be hard to move your website away from Squarespace if you ever decide that Squarespace just isn't the right platform for you. And that's one of the issues with all closed source solutions, really. If you, you know, want to redesign your existing Squarespace website, there really is no easy process for doing this, which is kind of annoying and kind of weird. Um, you're generally going to have to put like a coming soon or down for down for maintenance page up, which isn't always ideal, or you need to like start a completely new Squarespace like plan or account and then build it. And in that case, if you like exceed the 14 day free trial that they offer, you may end up paying double, which that I wouldn't want to do that. That's no fun. <laughs> Maybe they'll change that in the future, but that seems to be the only way to do it um, at the time of recording this. Overall, you know, me as the website person, I do like Squarespace well enough. I usually will recommend it to clients who aren't super tech savvy or they don't want to deal with doing any maintenance or management or they don't need to do anything too far out there with their website. Um, if you're just looking to put up a quick website, Squarespace can be really great. But if you want to do something far more advanced, it may not be the best option. So let's move on to our next platform that we're going to discuss today, and this is WordPress. Before we dive into the details with WordPress, let me just preface this by saying that there are two versions of WordPress available. So there are websites that are hosted at WordPress.com itself, and then there is something that we call self-hosted WordPress websites. And we're going to be talking about self-hosted WordPress here because that's what I recommend. This is the true open source website um, version of WordPress, okay? And it means that you're taking the WordPress software and you're installing it on a web hosting plan. So you have the actual WordPress software that's free, but you do have to have a place to put it. And this is called web hosting. So it's kind of like, you know, you have like all your stuff. Let's, let's say that the web hosting plan is a storage unit. Okay. <laughs> and you have all your stuff, but you need it to go somewhere. You bring your stuff or your like your WordPress website and you put it in the storage unit or your web hosting plan. It's kind of like paying rent or something like that. So you will need web hosting if you're going to use WordPress. You can purchase this from a variety of companies. Um, they are not all created equal. So definitely do your research on what web hosting companies are good and what are not recommended. And hey, maybe I'll put an episode on that if there's an interest. Um, but for web hosting, you can expect to pay about five to $10 per month for a beginner plan. And then of course, as you get more traffic or you have a website that for whatever reason needs more resources, you may need to pay a little bit more. And then in addition to having the WordPress software running and installed, you will also need to build your site with themes or templates and plugins as well to add on additional functionality and features. There are plugins for anything and everything that you can ever imagine. Things like slideshows and galleries and recipe cards and so on. Um, you could also install an e-commerce plugin and sell products through your WordPress website or install a membership plugin to set up digital courses. Like WordPress is truly an extremely versatile and scalable option. 
So a lot of these plugins are free and it is completely possible to build a WordPress website using only free plugins, but there are going to be times when you may need to purchase a premium plugin in order to get a specific feature that you want. And oftentimes what these plugin developers will do is they'll give you a free version that has, you know, some of the basic capabilities of the pl plugin, but in order to like unlock the full capabilities, you need to upgrade to the premium version. Although I am trying to make this entire episode as unbiased as possible, I will be upfront with you and I will tell you that I certainly favor WordPress, especially because it's really good for creating really like custom unique things. It's good for tinkerers. I myself am a tinkerer and I've actually been using WordPress since it was first released in 2003 which, oh my god, I'm getting so old. <laughs> the open source environment ensures that WordPress is constantly being updated and improved upon, and it is going through these changes very rapidly, which is good to see. WordPress allows me as a developer to build really, really cool, unique things, um, and that means like for my clients that they get really beautiful and memorable websites, or as I like to call them, digital homes. <laughs> Is that cheesy? I know it's so cheesy, but I had it in my notes and I had to say it, okay? So because it is open source, WordPress is getting better and better. It's doing so at a pretty rapid pace. A few years ago, um, they introduced a new editing experience. I believe this happened in 2018, if I recall correctly. So this editor is now built into the WordPress core, meaning it comes standard on all WordPress installs. Um, although it is a little bit different, it does make building pages more on par with the way that Squarespace does it. So in layman's terms, it makes building pages easier than ever before, especially for people who aren't super tech friendly. So it's kind of drag and droppy, maybe not a true drag and drop editor, but on like on that same level. Okay. It's kind of hard to describe here. Um, so like, let's just say that you tried WordPress five years ago and you really didn't like it. You may want to give it another shot because the editor has changed. It's a lot easier to use than ever before. I'm not saying you have to fall in love with it. I'm just saying maybe give it a shot, you know, give it a shot. And one thing to be aware of, though, with WordPress is because it is open source, you are the one that is responsible for making sure that the WordPress core software, as well as any themes and plugins that you're using, are up to date with the latest version. WordPress does make this pretty easy, so you can turn on auto updates if you want. You can manually update your stuff in a couple of clicks if you're not into the auto updates. But there is always the possibility that an updated version of something could cause a conflict and there could be a problem with the web the way that your website functions or displays. I will say this doesn't happen too often and honestly as the technology improves we see this happen a lot less but it is something to be aware of. And then also in regards to like third-party templates and plugins you want to be careful with the ones that you install because you know, anyone can come out with a WordPress uh, theme or a plugin, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it is coded well or that the support team is active, right? So when you are installing plugins, you want to make sure that you do your research on them and that they're coming from a reputable company. 
that's a little bit off topic, but I did just want to mention that there. So to wrap up my WordPress summary, this website building platform is great for you if you're a little bit more hands-on and you don't mind doing updates. Um, maybe you have like a, a person who is going to help you in that regard. I do help um, a select amount of clients with WordPress maintenance. Um, so there are people like me out there who can help you with that. And then WordPress is really great if you like are on the hunt for a unique website that you can grow with. All right, let's move on. Let's move away from WordPress, although WordPress does come up with this one. It's going to get a little confusing here. The next website platform that I want to talk about is ShowIt. ShowIt is a closed source, true drag and drop style website builder that you can integrate with WordPress if you want to have a blog. Super confusing, right? So if you have a show it site, it functions like this. You pick your plan at the time of recording that starts at $19 per month and your entire website is built and hosted with show it. If you want to have a blog added to your website, you need a plan that costs more, but then show it will set up the blog and host the blog for that part of your website. And then you will blog using WordPress. So in practice, if you want to update something on like your about page or your contact page or one of those static pages, you would do that through show its page builder. But if you want to add a new blog post, you would use WordPress. The setup for it all though is handled by show it. So it's all under one roof. It's a little bit confusing even after I explain it, but like, trust me, like once you, like if you decided to go with Show It, I think it would all start to make sense. Show It is really great because it makes building pretty websites a breeze. So if you are like more design inclined, you really like to tinker with um, appearance, Show It may be a great option for you. I've used all of these platforms that I'm talking about here today, and ShowIt is the best platform for building a really unique, like fully branded website. Designing for this platform is super fun. Um, I am kind of toying with the idea of putting out some ShowIt templates for you guys too. Um, if you are interested in that, let me know because I would love some feedback regarding that. Um, and then I also like show it a lot because you have two versions of your site. You have a mobile and a desktop version. And this is true on other platforms as well. But, you know, show it really makes it a breeze to hide or show content for either version with just a couple of clicks. So essentially with show it, you're building almost like not an entirely new website for mobile, but you have a lot of control. And the, the downside of this is that because you are essentially building those two separate versions of your website, desktop and mobile, you do have to do the work twice. And this can make the overall design process longer than using a different builder. Um, this also makes like if you change something, you know, it, it takes a little bit longer because you have to remember to update it in two places. Um, you don't have to add like the content in again, but you do have to maybe format it twice. I hope that makes sense. It, it's really hard to explain unless <laughs> I could physically show you. Um, maybe I should have done a video for this episode. I don't know. Anyway, I digress. So this whole like this desktop and mobile version stuff, it can make the overall design process longer than using some other kind of different builder. 
but it shouldn't turn you off of the platform altogether if show it sounds like a good thing for you because I find that the design benefits really outweigh this, at least in my opinion. I will say that show it does have a couple of quirks. It's nearly impossible to add in like hover rollover effects to buttons, which is one thing that drives me absolutely crazy because it is important to show people that a button does something, right? So when you hover over a button, it should like maybe change a color or fade out at least, but it's not easy to do this on show it, especially for, I would say even like moderate moderately techie users. It's just not easy. Um, what else with show it? Um, there's also like a weird quirk with like things like overlapping. So sometimes the text won't look right. And I actually just experienced this because I was helping one of my clients who has a show website and she's like this button, like it, like the text is like falling off of the button why is it doing that? And like, I checked it in Google Chrome and it wasn't doing that. I checked it in Firefox. It wasn't doing that, but it was on Safari. So there's just like some weird quirks when it comes to show it and stuff like that. And then also keep in mind that the price for show it is a little bit higher than if you go the Squarespace or WordPress route. It's not like super expensive, but it is a little bit more. Um, and then anything like e-commerce or membership content, all of that kind of stuff is going to have to be added via a third party. That's not a deal breaker. It's just something to know because show it is limited in what it can and can't do. But I will say that what it does, it does pretty dang well. If you can, you know, deal with the quirks. And then we come to Shopify. So Shopify is another closed source website building platform. Shopify is used for e-commerce websites. If your main source of income is selling products, so you're a retailer, um, you do a relatively high volume amount of sales, you would likely want to look at Shopify. If you don't sell products online, you can skip this because Shopify is not going to be for you. Um, if you remember, you can sell products on Squarespace too, if you have the right plan. However, Shopify has set of features for e-commerce way, 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 way more robust, um, way more um, focused on e-commerce sellers because Shopify is like e-commerce first, whereas with Squarespace, I would say e-commerce is like maybe second or third or fourth, right, in terms of priority. So with Shopify, there are more third-party integrations that, you know, you may find you need in order to run your e-commerce shop. There are more payment gateway options. There are more plugins, that sort of thing. And with WordPress, you may have remembered that I mentioned you can also sell products through WordPress. Um, you can use uh, an e-commerce plugin like WooCommerce. I have clients who have e-commerce sites that use WordPress, no problem, but I will say that these oftentimes require a healthy amount of maintenance and management. You have to be pretty active with this. So I do think like if you're, um, if you have limited tech knowledge and you don't have a WordPress developer or like website person in your back pocket, then Shopify is going to be a little bit easier to maintain long term. Shopify is also, though, a little bit more expensive than the other options that we've talked about thus far. So at the time of recording this, the beginner plan begins at $29 per month. 
And like WordPress, you're oftentimes going to find that you need these plugins or apps to extend the basic functionality of your online store. Now, some of these are free, but most of the useful ones require a monthly subscription. So, you know, you can end up having like a website that has a lot of plugins on it and you're paying a lot every month just to subscribe to those plugins. This can really add up over a while. So I remember hearing someone um, who was like, yeah, like the, 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 the starter plan that I'm using for Shopify is $29 per month. But by the time I add on all these subscriptions for these plugins or apps that I need, it's like $250 per month. So that's quite, <laughs> quite a jump from just $29 per month. And then although Shopify makes adding products and then the pages that display those products like in different collections easy, what Shopify doesn't do super well is if you want to build out other types of pages. So something like a complex about page, even a visual heavy blog post, something like that, that is not really easy with Shopify. Now you can install apps to make the regular page building experience better with Shopify, but these are paid, of course, and they can get quite costly. Um, it does seem like Shopify is making some improvements in regards to that, so it seems like maybe in the future it'll be easier to build out better looking pages, like standard pages, like about pages and contact pages and whatnot. Um, but at the time of recording this, it doesn't seem like they're quite there yet, but it is something I have my eye on. As far as looks go, there are a variety of Shopify templates out there. Some are free, some are premium. You can also hire a developer like me to build a custom look for you by editing the HTML, CSS, and other nerdy code stuff. Although again, this is a closed source solution. We have to stick within the parameters that Shopify has set. Shopify does permit a little bit more editing in this regard than like Squarespace. Um, so it is usually possible to get a very unique to you looking Shopify website. So if that is important to you, make a note of that. So in conclusion here, Shopify is recommended if you are primarily needing a place to sell products online. That's pretty much the bottom line here, okay? And Shopify is really good if you're selling like a retail product or like something that you have to ship out, something that goes beyond just a digital product. All right, and then we have Kajabi. And there are other platforms that are similar to Kajabi. I'm kind of gonna like lump them all together, but I'm primarily gonna talk about Kajabi. <laughs> so Kajabi is an all-in-one website solution. It's a great option for website owners who are all about membership-based content. So if you do digital courses or digital learning, um, subscriptions, membership, Kajabi can be a great option for you. Uh, Kajabi is closed source. It makes building courses of all kinds easy peasy. So if digital learning is your main income stream, look into Kajabi for sure. With Kajabi, you can create a traditional course or a drip course. And if you don't know, a drip course means that you can release the content to your students a little bit at a time over a certain period of like days, weeks, even months. 
You can also have subscription-based content, meaning the content is only available to users if they pay for a recurring subscription. Um, so basically, think about Netflix, right? You only have access to Netflix if you pay your $13.99 a month or whatever it is. Don't ask me. I don't pay for it. <laughs> I'm just thinking of how many like people probably use like their ex's Netflix plan because they remember the password and the person hasn't changed it like three years after the fact, after the breakup. I don't know why that made me laugh. Breakups, not really a, a happy subject. Anyway, so that is what, you know, subscription content is. So something like if you want to do or you want to have your people pay like $9.99 per month or let's make you a little bit more money. Let's say $99 per month for your subscription. You can easily do that with Kajabi. Um, so yeah, if you're looking to do digital courses or like learning or subscriptions like these, there are several other options out there besides Kajabi. So there's Teachable, there's Podia, Thinkific, there are a handful of others. They are coming out of the woodwork and they are also kind of, um, getting more like robust. So like Kajabi um, just came out with like a coaching tool or side of their platform. They also have like a podcasting tool. I know Teachable has like a coaching thing that they never used to. So it's easy to get like lost in this sea of platform comparison. Um, but they are all kind of like on the same par. Uh, Kajabi is the most expensive option. In my opinion, it does feel like the most luxurious and professional option. It seems a little bit more um, put together than like Teachable, but Teachable is more affordable. Um, with Kajabi, everything is built in. It has, you know, like the podcast tool I just mentioned. There is email marketing. Um, and they really do a great way, or they do a great job, I should say, of presenting it in a super nice format. Um, now, although I do see a lot of individuals and brands maintaining two sites, like a main site that's hosted with WordPress or Squarespace or even Shopify, they then will like have that site, but then they use Kajabi or one of these other tools or um, softwares for the digital course content portion. Now, with Kajabi, you wouldn't necessarily need to do that because it is totally possible to have an entire website built on Kajabi. With Teachable, you could, but it's not going to be as good, in my opinion, <laughs> or like as well-rounded, I guess. I don't know how to say it um, than if you use Kajabi. With Kajabi, you can easily add your logo and your brand colors to your Kajabi site. Um, the other customization options, though, are pretty limited, so you're not going to get like a super unique custom website with Kajabi, and that could be a deal breaker for some. And, you know, I have found that the customization options for like Teachable or other platforms are even more limited. So I really don't think that you could build your full website on a platform like Teachable. I just I would not recommend going that route at all, but it can be a good um, thing to use in addition to your main website. Hopefully I'm not confusing the heck out of you. <laughs> um, the cost of Kajabi can be a tough pill to swallow, especially if you're just starting out. 
There is a trial version, I think. Um, I believe it's like 14 days. That's nice. But you're probably going to need a lot longer to put your website together. And then you have to pay for a, a full plan, of course, you know. So at the time of recording this, Kajabi starts at $119 per month. And that's only if you commit to an annual plan and get like that special deal. A lot of us, especially if we're just starting out, are really in the position to drop like a cool grand and a half for the year on a website building platform. And like the pro plan is over $300 a month, which is a lot. I don't know about you, but that's not really, you know, pocket change laying around. I don't have... $3,600 to spend on a website building platform for the year. So unless you have like that luxurious budget, Kajabi may be a little bit out of reach. And you know what? That is totally okay. A couple of my bigger money clients have even snubbed their nose at Kajabi based on the cost because it just seems like so much when you could be paying a lot less. Um, so if you do want to offer digital learning content on your website, but you can't justify the cost of Kajabi, don't worry. There are other options out there. I would recommend, like we just discussed, you can build a site with one of the other platforms that we mentioned, and then you can pair it with a more affordable course-based software like Teachable, and you will likely be coming out a little bit under the cost of Kajabi. Okay. Again, I hope I didn't like confuse you completely. There's a lot of options out there. Um, but the good news is if you like aren't interested in having membership based content on your website or like courses at all, then you can skip Kajabi and Teachable and Podia altogether. They probably aren't going to be <laughs> something that you're going to find it worthwhile to spend your money on. All right, so there we have it, folks. These aren't all of the website building platforms that are out there, but we did discuss Squarespace, WordPress, Showit, Shopify, Kajabi, and then some other options for digital learning platforms like Teachable and Podia. So these are the ones that I most commonly suggest. These are the ones that I most commonly use for my clients who are individuals, solopreneurs, and small business owners. So I hope that this was helpful. Um, if you have any questions, I'm more than happy to provide you with a little bit more insight. So feel free to reach out to me and uh, yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to do like a full recap at the end here because I think you can just go back and listen if you miss something or want to go over it again. So with that being said, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Bite Size Strategy and allowing me to hit you with these brand building tips. If you're hungry for more snackable bites, you can subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. Right now we're on Spotify and Google. I have to get us onto Apple. I'm having a little bit of problem with that, but whatever. That's for me to deal with, not you. You can also visit buildintblossom.com for more content like this. All right, you guys, that's a wrap. I will see you next week.